And we are back, and we are in the house with the great, the legendary, always good-looking, always fit, doesn't need a haircut, COVID-free, Sean Cannon. Sean, thank you so much to be on the show. We, hey, we guys, so thanks so much for having me. That was a hell of an intro. Thank you. Thank you. We were hyping you up for, before. So Not that you get any hype. Karate is shit. So fit. We we were talking about um, Studio City. There's so much you want to get into, and I know your time's limited. But I want to ask: Are you? Everybody's good. Everybody's safe, healthy during this. Everybody's safe. You know, just been riding it out with uh, with my wife Michelle, and you know, listen. All things considered, we are very fortunate and lucky. I, I have so much compassion for everybody who is dealing with loss in this. But uh, I think it is time that we start to get things rolling again. I agree. I think we're at the point, we're at the tipping point where right. uh, we've waited out and, you know, we could get to this all night, but at what cost are you going to let, um, you know, people suffer <laughs> more financially? And I think we just got to get the wheels moving. Incrementally, but. No. Right. Yeah, we yeah, can open up concerts again. Thing. How do we do it incrementally in places like L.A., for example? Like for New York, incrementally to me means, all right, you start with upstate, reopen, you reopen in pockets. So you start with upstate in the rural areas. Mm-hmm. Where, and then, you know, out, out east where I am, there's, it, yeah, there's still kind of a threat, but the numbers are, are, are slowing down. But what about out where you are in, in L.A.? How do, you, how do you start with the increments? Where do you start? Is a two-prong approach. The first is exactly what you said. You know, you start looking geographically at places that don't have high concentrations of people where there's, you know, a very high level of, uh, of mortality. And my guess would be that you start there and see how that works. And, and the second prong would be opening up um, the second tier of businesses that are, you know, not necessarily essential, essential, maybe one uh, you know, one more ring out, and we keep seeing how that works out. Um, I, I don't particularly think that, you know, restaurants and movie theaters are in that next ring, but right. there are certain some other businesses I think that we, we should consider opening. I yeah, this is the longest my hair's been in a long time. <laughs> oh, mine's terrible. It's, 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 it's awful, but it's, it's great. I haven't some... in weeks, guys. Uh, yeah, I, I, but you look perfect. Look great. Yeah, yeah, you know, you like take care of yourself. Um, I want to talk about Studio City. I've I've watched it three times. I want to say congratulations on all the success yeah. with this and the nominations. First of all, it was a hell of a job. Um, there's so many questions I have, but I, I boiled them down to a few. Um, without any spoilers or anything, I want I want to ask you. So it's obviously very, or to a degree, very autobiographical. Yeah. Of your life, how much would you say um, you've pulled from your own personal experience, uh, percentage-wise? I don't know if I can boil it down to percentages. You know, I've worked. No, we need a number like eighty-nine point three. That's to, what we're looking to the here. decimal. Yeah. You know, I uh, I've worked in daytime television off and on since nineteen ninety-two, and so so much of my experience. Um, both professionally and, and just life experience is colored by the years that I've spent, um, you know, working on different shows and, and kind of living that light. So one of the things that I wanted to do with, with this show was really play a character that is, is a guy that's pretty similar to me. He goes through different things, but, you know, I figured if this is going to sink or swim, I want to really put as much of myself into this as possible. Um, 
a lot of the experiences that my character goes through on the show are not things that have directly happened to me, but they're things that have happened to either people I know, um, you know, things that I've, I've loosely gone through. So I'd, I'd say there's, there's quite a bit of me in this. It's incredible. I mean, it really is. You, you took contemporary issues like LGBT issues. You took uh, daytime television and you, you parodied it, but, but in a respectful light. And yeah. you also um, you added some other issues in there, which I'll, I'll let people watch for themselves. But to do this in 10-minute, uh, for the most part, 10-minute episodes, which for a man with ADHD was perfect. Because it was hard. Uh, the episodes are between 10 and 15 minutes, the longest. And when you're trying to introduce an audience to brand new characters, get them emotionally connected with the characters and invested in storyline and storyline, like you said, that has social relevance. Um, we deal with suicide. We deal with Me Too, LGBTQ, uh, ageism, uh, sickness. I mean, there's a lot of heavy stuff going on. And one of the things that I'm happy about, and I think we achieved this, is that we don't beat you over the head with it. You know, yeah. I, I want to make sure that at the end of the day, this show is entertaining. Um, you know, nobody needs any kind of morality tale or lecture when, when they're we're trying to be entertained. So I think sometimes we make you laugh, sometimes we make you cry, and, and hopefully we entertain you and make you think. And, you know, this really was a collaborative effort. I, I have to thank our incredible cast, um, Tim Woodward Jr., who's my producing partner, incredible director, directed all the episodes. Uh, my wife, Michelle, and Lauren de Normandy, who uh, were two of our writers. So this, this was in the truest sense of the expression, uh, you know, a team effort. It's, do you it's see, amazing. Sean, do you see a future in daytime television? You know, you it's interesting you talk about Sink or Swim, and I say for all intents and purposes, you definitely swam and swam far because a lot of the competitors, um, if that's the word out there, the other networks lost a lot of programs. The like guy is off the air, right, as the world turns. How, they all sank. Well, here's the thing. I, I think... Gone are the days when the primary mode for watching television is right. the whole family comes to the couch Thursday night at 8 to watch Cheers or whatever, like when we were growing up. I mean, right. people watch what they want to watch, when they want to watch it, and on the devices that they want to watch it. So one of the things that I, I really like about Studio City uh, and this short, uh, short form format is that it's very digestible. I mean, you can watch the entire first six episodes in 90 minutes. Uh, you can watch each individual ep episodes on a lunch hour, waiting for a bus, on your phone, on your iPad. And I, you know, I, think, I think we grew up, our generation, and certainly the one after us, we're, we're kind of like a soundbite generation, a soundbite society. Mm -hmm. I mean, people want Definitely. quick, and they want it when they want it. Um, and again, I go back to that was one of the challenges with this, but it's also one of the upsides is that, you know, people can take an hour and a half, watch our whole first season and decide if they're buying in. And now we've got ourselves, you know, a, a new, you know, a new viewer for the show. But yeah, how do we the biggest people back to that couch? Because I've, I've, you know, bitched and moaned about this on the program before. I live among the streaming zombies who all over New York City are on the trains walking, you know, like this, and you're going to shove them out of your way. You know, they can't take a break for. Two but they seconds. have to watch Netflix. <laughs> How do we yeah. get them back to the? I couch? think those, those days are done. Um, you know, like, like I said, I 
I think I think a lot of the soap operas, the, the four remaining ones that are on television right now, if, if I had to be brutally honest, I don't know that if they were all starting out as new shows today, utilizing sort of the classic television paradigm of we're on every day at 12 o'clock and you've got to be physically in front of a television to watch it. I don't know if they'd succeed. I think the reason yeah. that the ones that are still on are continuing, if not to thrive, at least to survive, because they've taken years of building up an audience that is invested in the characters and the stories that they've told. And that's why people will continue to watch those. I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I feel the same way. If a show like The Simpsons came out today, it would flop. It's because it's been around for so long, it's got a built-in network. Maybe that's typical with that. Um, I have to ask you about Studio City. So um, it's a great cast. It's really tremendous casting. You, you've woven everything together, uh, which is, isn't easy to do. It, it really works. You mentioned at the screening I attended, um, this was a labor of love that was in development for some, some time here. You yeah. envisioned this project of yours way back when are we talking like 20 years or how, what, what was the inception of this this you know the the genesis of this was was probably 15 years ago okay and it was projects you know that i've worked on I've, I've put away i've taken out and through the right series of um professional relationships and just some real good timing and probably a little bit of luck um, the opportunity to get it made uh, surface. I, I am incredibly grateful to my partner, Tim Woodward Jr. Uh, Tim is a, a feature film director. I've done two films with him. Um, I did a, a gangster film called Gangsterland with him, and then I did um, Beyond the yeah. Law, Seagal, and um, uh, DMX. And you know, <laughs> my, my, my wife and I were talking to Tim, and we said, hey, listen, you know, what would you think about you know, possibly doing a, a, a digital show. And since Tim works primarily in film, I think the idea of TV was interesting to him. And to his credit, he said, look, I'll, I'll read it. If I like it, I'll do it. I mean, who says that? And he read it, he liked Amazing. it, and you know, we did it. So and, and the way you pulled it off, too, it's beautifully shot. You, some scenes are shot uh, like daytime television. And then other scenes, um, your director of photography, the name escapes me at the moment. Um, it's Pablo Diaz, and he is... Uh, killed it. He's Tim's director of photography for all of his Nailed films. it. Nailed it. Really great things is that it has a more cinematic look to it than, you know, a lot of times digital shows tend to look, I think they kind of homogenous. They, they sort of have a, a very similar look to all of them, and this definitely has more of a film look to it. Yeah. Yeah, it does, and, and it works. It works very well. Um, and watching it, Patrika Darbo, the other cast members that you mentioned, um, was it easy to get all – because I, I know everybody here is, is – uh, for the most part, a, a working actor and, yeah. and scheduling. Uh, that, that's like, that's gotta be a hard thing to balance to get all that yeah, scheduling. Scheduling is always, always the toughest. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tristan is, uh, you know, was, was on two shows at the same time. Everybody's working. Right. Um, Sarah Brown, who plays my sister, uh, for all intents and purposes, had kind of retired from the business. And I, and I really, you know, we really had to kind of, you know, lay this out for her and, and, and really, you know, get her on board to do this. Um, yeah, yeah. Patrika and Carolyn Hennessy and, and Tristan, they're all friends. Uh, I, I've worked with Patrika more times than I can count. I've probably done three films with her. I, the first time I worked with her was on Step by Step, which was... Step by Step. Right. A million years ago. And that's yeah. a long time back. 
And, you know, they're, they're all really good friends. They're all tremendous actors. And, uh, you know, this isn't a show specifically for soap opera fans, even though there are actors from daytime that they'll recognize. But I have to say, we, we shot all five episodes. I'm sorry, six episodes in five days. And in order to do that, really? you've got to have actors that are able to learn a tremendous amount of dialogue and more than that, nail it on like the first or second take because there just isn't time yeah. to, you know, to continue to shoot and shoot and shoot. And, um, you know, in one instance, uh, Tristan Rogers showed up and we gave him uh, a page and a half scene and he didn't expect it. He just said, All right, leave me alone for a while. And you know, he studied it and just knocked it out of the park. So that's that great. That's what you want to hear. Now that's, it begs a question. Do you enjoy working under those conditions as opposed to, you know, a 12, 14 hour shoot that's going into golden time, where it's just the same scene over and over again. Yeah, that's uh, do you like having to, yeah, really punch through it and, uh, and get everything almost in real time and cut and that's it. Move on. No, I mean, that's that's certainly not the most ideal circumstance. I mean, for me, the absolute best environment for the for the best possible work that you can do is is theater because you presumably right. have six, seven weeks of rehearsal and you're just dissecting the material and, and running the scenes. And then once the curtain goes up, it's sink or swim. Um, yeah. You know, doing a soap opera, we would frequently do 80 pages a day. Now, that doesn't mean that I would be in that many. I might be in yeah. A film, you're going to do maybe six to nine pages a day. So you have a lot more time with the film. But you right. know, was, this was, we did what we could with what we had. It was one of those deals. Yeah, you made it work. When you, when you said you shot it, the majority of it, the 10 episodes in you know, five, six days, I thought you were going to say like five to six months because that would be like I, an appropriate time. Uh, you said six uh, days. I was like, how, do you, how would you do that? Right. It, That's just, a lot of Adderall. No, I'm kidding. It, it, <laughs> no, actually it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, you didn't have to. So, I mean, everybody was just super committed and people really went above and beyond. And, and you could tell that everybody who was involved, cast and crew alike, it, it was a labor of love. You know, you know what happens is, is so often, you guys, you know, when you're an actor, you'll you'll have other actor friends. And you'll say, hey, look, I'm doing this thing. You do it. And they're like, sure, I'll do it. Yeah. And most of the time, it doesn't turn out to be great. And it's nobody's fault. It just it just happens that way. And I right. think... Early on, by the end of the first day, everybody kind of bought in. They got it. They were like, this is going to be something kind of cool and special. And so they really were willing to do whatever it took to get it finished. And that, and that goes also for everyone you know, who was involved with the editing, who stayed up night after night. I mean, this really was a, you know, a group effort. And, and it was, it's amazing, too, because honestly... Um... Like you said, a lot of times you put it together, it turns out shit, or it's just not good. But but I really, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the show and, and I, I, I know you, but it really is like lightning in a, in a bottle with this. It's it's incredible. I, I think it's very special. And I, you know, yeah. wish more success. Will there be a season two once this whole uh, Corona? Nonsense? You know, we, we, we did kind of get stopped in our tracks here. Yeah, you, um, yeah. how can you? We've got, we've got a tremendous production team and writing team. We got a lot of ideas. I have a I have an idea of where I envision, you know, Sam's journey taking him, and uh, you know, uh, they just finished uh, voting for the daytime Emmys uh, this past Monday, mm -hmm. and um, you know, we were fortunate that uh, six of our actors were pre-nominated. Yes, 
uh, we're congratulations. And we're kind of waiting to see what what production in the age of coronavirus is going to look like. But I, you know, I think that within a couple months, it's going to hash itself out, and and we're going to be uh, shooting in the fall. Hopefully, that's that's my my goal. That's great. I don't see any reason why that wouldn't happen. Again, I'm not a medical expert, but based on all the intelligence out there and what you're seeing, yeah, um, some you know they got to something's got to be done. Just waiting around isn't isn't right. going to work. They got to get things moving, and and the entertainment industry is huge. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I encourage everybody to watch Studio City. Uh, it's available on yep. Amazon Prime. Now we have to ask, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot by your fan base. Uh, will we see a Cobra Kai? No. Let's put it this way: Would you ever? <laughs> would you ever because I'm wearing I'm wearing the shirt by the way this merchandise viewers and listeners if you're li listening yeah. I'm wearing a uh, your karate is a joke t-shirt from Sean Kanan's website SeanKanan.com um, by the way Sean's an author too you've authored two books I, I am I just so happen to have one right here <laughs> yeah Success Factor X this yeah. is a compilation tell us about the book first because I don't I don't want to Success Factor X is a book that uh, I I co-authored with uh, Joe Lieberman. And what we did was we went out to 50 absolutely incredible people in all different fields and said, what's your best advice about success? And we got a, a just a stunning response from everybody from Mark Cuban to Anthony Robbins to Daryl McDaniels, founding member of Run DMC, gold medal athletes, baseball players, football players, Don King, just like a crazy eclectic. It's incredible. Movie. Jason yeah. Alexander from Seinfeld. And, you know, what's interesting is, although these people all have in common that they are, you know, wealthy, successful, famous people, um, they, they've all had different paths to getting there. And what you start to see is that some of the same strategies that someone who became a successful baseball player employs are some of the very same strategies that a guy like maybe Mark Cuban employs. You know, they're in different arenas, but my acting teacher... The, the late Roy London used to always say, I've got more in common with a successful plumber than an unsuccessful acting teacher. <laughs> you know, meaning the very things that it takes to become successful as a plumber probably are a lot of the same things I have to do to become a successful acting teacher. And oh, yeah. you know, a lot of these people, almost to an individual, they don't, they don't reference their success in terms of what they have financially or materially. Um, it really is in, in terms of how they're able to help other people achieve their dreams, um, you know, living, living their most authentic self. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that everybody has, uh, you know, everybody has a masterpiece inside of themselves. And mm -hmm. that masterpiece is their authentic self. And it's their job to, to share that with the world. And, you know, for me, it might be acting. And for you, it might be something else. And for somebody else, it might be being the best stockbroker they can be and helping their clients. But we all have something. Yeah. We all have something. For you, it's not just acting, though. It's acting, cooking, writing, yeah. martial arts, directing, casting, producing. Um, I think you might have an antibody test for coronavirus. I don't know. My wife did the casting for Studio City. She did a great job. I saw that, and I did make a note to your beautiful <laughs> wife, Michelle. I'm, uh, I'm not allowed to take credit for that. No, I saw the casting, and I waited at the very end of the credits to see who yeah. cast it. Um, and I was waiting to see your name, and I saw Michelle, and I was like, she nailed it. Uh, that's, she she nailed every part. So cheers to Michelle. She's uh, <laughs> uh, she's, she's nominated as a, a writer and producer uh, for the Independent Series Awards. You know, the, right. The, 
the daytime Emmys only puts out pre-nominations for acting. So yeah. we don't know if, if uh, anyone from our director to our cinematographer to our, our writing team and producing team are, are nominated for daytime Emmys. But we're going to find out, I think, May 15th. Well, you'll you'll know for you'll it's definitely going to happen. There's no doubt about it, unless it's rigged and then it's fake news, and that's what we're saying. Um, I I do yeah I do want to crowbar this in. Um, first of all, yeah, congratulations on everything, and please check out the books too. There's the uh, the modern gentleman, and then there's another tagline under there, which is cool, kind of cool. Yeah. But I'm going to let you guys act because it's on Amazon, and then you have success, success factor X. Uh, which and is that really was what cool. Senator, former Senator Joe Lieberman, did you say, Sean? No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, yeah, he's shaky. Um, so we got to ask the obvious that yeah. we, we brought up. Um, see, so, so Mike Barnes in Karate Kid 3, this is why he's such a special villain. And you get this all the time, I know. But he's the only one that is really believable that scares you. If you look at the other guys that, that Ralph Macchio fights in the Karate Kid series... They're not intimidating. I mean, they might kick your ass in high school, but yeah. you, I just don't. I'm not buying. It. I would Johnny and his little motorcycle gang wouldn't scare me in high school, and I wasn't a big guy. Mike Barnes right. could hurt you, and I believe that. Yeah. So, He's what deeply dis- what's that? <laughs> Mike Barnes is a deeply, deeply disturbed guy. Right, but yeah. and it's believable, and he he could hurt you. Yeah. So I want to ask: Would you ever entertain the idea of reprising? The, the the character of Mike Barnes. Oh yeah, I, I mean, listen, I'd love to dust off the Cobra Kai gi. I think it would be a lot of fun. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of uh, of the show. The guys have, uh, uh, you know, John Hurwitz, uh, uh, Josh Held, they've uh, Hayden Schlossberg. They put together a fantastic show. And the thing I love the most about it is these guys have such a strong comedy background, having done Harold yeah. and Kumar, that you know it, that that's what makes this show so interesting. Um, and, and, you know, for me, I get asked all the time, uh, you know, would Mike Barnes ever make an appearance on the show? And, you know, I, I say never say never. You know, I, I have had communication with the producers and I think they're, you know, they're big fans of the original films and want to put as many of the characters into it as will fit organically. Um, you know, for me, I just I wonder what what became of Mike Barnes. I mean, did, did, he, wind right. up going, did he wind up going to prison or did he maybe wind up going to the military and get straightened out and turned out to not be such a bad guy. Um, uh, see, I have a theory on Mike Barnes. Here's my theory about what happened to him. Okay. After the events that took place in the Karate Kid Part 3, Mike Barnes kind of took a little break from karate. He might have gotten in a little trouble. I don't know. He might have done some time. I don't know. But he ended up kind of shaping up becoming a business owner. And what that business was, he's a contractor. And who that contractor employed at one point was Johnny in Cobra Kai Season 1. Because on the phone, he says, Mike, and he hangs up. Yeah. That was it. And you I'm calling it out, Mike. Hollywood. You heard you know, One of the things that I found so fascinating hearing you actually talk, I, I think it was on another podcast a while back, and yeah. really incredible story. While you were shooting that film, you actually got ill or, or was it injured? No, I got injured. Um you know, I had, I, had, I had gotten the part from an open call. Uh, right. I stood in line with 1,500, 2,000 people. And, uh, you know, John Avelson, who had directed the first two Karate Kids and won the Oscar for Rocky, uh, yeah. he picked me out of the line, sent me inside the studio, uh, uh, wound up doing a, a scene with Ralph Macchio, and ultimately they cast somebody else. And after 
less than a week, I guess the guy didn't work out and they, they called me back and I got the part. So we'd been shooting for about two weeks and I, I started developing some really significant pain in my left thigh, which I attributed to all the karate I was doing. I mean, I was, you know, every day, a couple times a day training. And so I started taking aspirin. Well, it turns out that I had been bleeding internally and the aspirin, which is a blood thinner, exacerbated the bleeding. And we broke for Christmas and I went to Las Vegas and with a friend and um, uh, Christmas day, 1989, I passed out in the Dunes Hotel and the EMTs came and I, I had like no blood pressure whatsoever. And they took me to Humana Sunrise Hospital and said, listen, um, we're gonna have to operate on you. And I said, okay, what, Monday? And they said, no, no, in 15 minutes. And they said, they made me sign a piece of paper that said I acknowledged that they didn't know if they could save my life. And it was the single scariest. Jesus, that's incredible. Yeah. So my, my parents could only get one ticket because they're on the East Coast. That's all that was available. So my, my dad flew out. And when, they, uh, when I was in the OR, um, I, I, have a, I come from a family of, of doctors. And I, I said to the surgeon before he put me under, I said, listen, whatever you do, please, if you can, resect my abdominal muscles. Don't cut through them. Because I knew if they cut through them, I was out of the movie. You know, it just oh, takes wow. You had, so, you had the mind. Yeah. I recovery room with about a 15 inch scar, which I still have. Um, right. had staples all up and down my stomach. And I, I got a call from the studio and, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of, Hey, how are you? How you feeling? Flowers. It was, you know, you need to get back to work in about eight days or we're going to recast. And they were going to, they were going to cast, oh. Bruce, going to cast Bruce Lee's son, Brandon Lee. Oh my God! Ah, the movie would have sucked without you. Imagine that. That's crazy. That so, is crazy. So what happened was. No wonder you were pissed in the movie. It sounds like something the army would say, though. Yeah, just get get back out there. First day, I got out of the bed and I could walk over to my my bathroom in my room. And the next day, I left the room and I could walk around the entire hospital floor one time. And the day after that, I could walk around three times. And the day after that, I had them discharge me uh, against medical advice. And they had just enough of me on camera from those two weeks where they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to shoot you in close-ups and we're going to have a stuntman do all the karate. And that really kind of hit me because, I mean, I trained so hard. And I've yeah. you know, been training since I was 13 years old. So they put me with a guy yeah. in the LA Rams, the first time the Rams were there. And uh, his right. name is Kyle Orland. He was a, a, a lineman. And again, the same deal. First day I could do a couple sit-ups and you know, the next day I could do like 20 sit-ups. And you know, by the end of the week, I was doing like hundreds of sit-ups. And long story longer, I wound up doing every one of my own stunts in the Karate Kid 3, exception of one, where Mike Barnes and his uh, Hitler Youth buddies are spinning around in a <laughs> convertible out of Miyagi's... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, oh, that was, that was all yeah. your own stunts then. The car goes across the train track. That's <laughs> I said, there's no way that I almost died and fought no. my way back to get run over by a train. So I said, you let the stuntman do that one. That, yeah, I mean, just from an insurance standpoint, to let you return right. to the set after that uh, is insane. I'm glad they did, because that movie wouldn't have been the same without you. What a Definitely not. That's a crazy story, man. That's like a, a script that you could write. And it, it had a profound effect on my life, but the biggest effect of, of that movie wasn't the film itself it was going through that experience yeah. and really kind of looking in the abyss you know and i mean i i had to will myself 
to be able to finish, not not just you know not just finish the film, but to live. And you know, at, at that young an age, you think you're invincible. And when you learn that you're not, you know, to have you know to have your medal tested at that age, and at least for that moment in time, you know, my character was I'm going to fight my way out of this, and I did. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what happened today, but that's what it was then. And and it was an amazing life experience. And and you know. As much as I, I'm not crazy about having a big scar on my abdomen, I look down at it and it makes me realize what the alternative would have been. So, yeah. yeah. See, that's a story right there. That's an inspiring, amazing. Like you know, a lot of people have stories like, "Well, I was on the set and I, I made the last flight, and if without that, I would have missed it." You're like, "Oh, <laughs> right. that's really great, Jim." Yeah. No, that's that's a life or death situation. Right. That's inspiring. Everybody else, they were going back to their trailers after they said cut and. This guy was really getting cut up. That's, That's amazing. Insane. What a tough dude. Um, I know we're running out of time, but uh, and there's so many things I had to ask you, and I know I'm leaving stuff out. Um, but I, I, I did want to touch base because I'm a huge fan of you as a comedian. Of your work. I mean, you know, you know how much I love the grammar Nazi. Oh, thank you. We actually have a third one in, in, in the works. You've got to watch it. I think it's hilarious. Thank you so much. That means a lot. I appreciate that. We're, yeah. do, we're doing a third one. It's going to have a, like an Italian kind of. Um, no, I speak Italian. Get me in this one. I want to be in it. Do you? All right. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you for real. be great to have you. And then let me do the coffee on the next season of Studio City. I can make a good cup of coffee for the actors. So I'll be there. Thank you so much. Um, just once again, uh, shameful plug. Please uh, watch Studio City. Give it a shot. It's, uh, it's on Amazon Prime. We're really proud of it. Um, and uh, if you if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Cannon. And I'd love to hear what you think of the show. I'd love to hear what your ideas are. And I want the show to be uh, responsive to our to our audience. Okay. So guys, thank you so much. Stay safe. And, thank you. Uh, you too. All right. Thanks, Sean. Okay, Thanks for coming. Come down. around again. We'll see you. Be safe. Great having you. Uh, All right. Sean Cannon, ladies and gentlemen. Sean Cannon. The great Sean Cannon.